Greetings, everybody. So great to be with you. My name is Pablo Paredes, one of the pastors here at our church. And for those who are watching us online, welcome. If you're not able to be here in person, I just want to say welcome. It is a privilege to share God's word with you. Today we are one church in multiple locations, and by God's grace, multiple languages. I just want to remind you real quick that we have our most special and probably the most important service of our month as our pastor has shared with us, which is our first Wednesday. It is this upcoming Wednesday at 6.30 in, in our campuses, and it is a time to worship, to pray together, and to have communion together as the body of Christ. With that in mind, uh, we continue our sermon series that we started last week with Zach that we have titled Landmines, Obstacles in the Journey of Faith. And I just want to begin just sharing with you what I have learned a little bit about this landmine. So here's a picture of what a landmine is. It's almost like a disc that if somebody steps on it, it's going to detonate and it's going to hurt somebody. Now here's the thing that I learned little by little about this idea or weapon of landmines. It's that it is used to defend your nation. So in other words, if there was a, an army of another nation that was going to come into your nation, invade your nation, they would put this underground, probably hide them somewhere around bridges and in the borders of your country in order to defend your country. That's the reason why in many wars in, in Asia, in Africa, in the Middle East, you're going to see signs of huge fields that say, hey, danger, danger, danger. Don't go into these lands because there are mines in there. And if they detonate or explode, they're going to hurt you. Now, what I learned about landmines is also this. The design of them is not necessarily to kill a soldier. But the design of them is to mutilate body parts of a soldier. Now, why? Because if a, if a, if a part of, of, of a soldier is missing, then that soldier is not going to be able to continue his mission or her mission. Now, here's the interesting thing and the connection that I want to make. It is this. We have a God of this age, a God of this world. It is called the prince of this world, John 12, John 16, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And that person is Satan. Now here's a connection that I want to make because Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth and he came to invade this territory, if I can call it like that, of the prince of the world, Satan here. But he came with a really, really good reason that is to what? To rescue the ones that have been enslaved to Satan, us who were enslaved to sin. So he came, he carried on his plan, he died on the cross to defeat sin, and he came and, and rose again on the third day, conquering death and sin. So whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So the people that follow him now, because they believe in him, we continue this mission, this rescue mission that Jesus started. Now, what does that mean to us right now? See, Satan, his army, his angels, his people, they have put landmines in our path so that we can get hurt. Perhaps many of us, are, 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 our souls are mutilated in some way, shape, or form, and we are not continuing the rescue mission that Jesus started and that we are to continue, and therefore we're not living the way God intended us to live. So this is what we want to do today. 
Today, I want to be able to detect one landmine, and I want to be able to see what are the damages that this can create in our souls. And at the end, I want to be really applicable with uh, really applications so that we can overcome or how to overcome this landmine. So today, we're going to talk about the landmine or the mind of laziness. So this is what I want to to do to begin with. I want to look at different verses in Scripture. We're going to begin with a landmine of laziness in the area of work. So we're going to look at Proverbs 12, 24. It says, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. So there's some results right there of being lazy. Now let's look at another proverb, Proverbs 24. 30 says, I walk by the field of a lazy person. So this person is, is, is observing a lazy person. It says, the vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw that he was overgrown with needles. It was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down. Then as I looked, here's observing. As I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Here's the result. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. So we see the results of laziness in the area of work. But let's go and look into the area of our spiritual life. As followers of Jesus Christ, Hebrews 6 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. So the author of Hebrews is talking to believers because he has observed good things, good works that they have done. And he's trying to encourage them, but also warning them not to do something. He says, hey, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped. Here's the good works, the love, his people, and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for, so don't lose hope, that you may, what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So we're just observing scripture, learning a little bit about the, 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 the consequences of laziness in the area of work, in our spiritual life. And we realize real quick that there's some damages that this can cause. And these are just some of them. Poverty, slavery, and hopelessness. So this is what I want to do. Based on what we have just read, I want to attempt to give us a, a definition of what laziness is. Laziness is the unwillingness to work. When one person can work and has all the resources at one's disposal to work. So I don't know if you've noticed, I have been in this place. I know some of us or maybe many of us have been in this place. But there's the unwillingness to work. Why? What's the reason for that? Let's look at one reason as I was thinking and praying about this and reading scripture and just searching and searching and searching. I realized that there is a... A reason for this laziness. And the reason is a lack of motivation. Many times, many of us are lazy because we don't have a goal in mind. We don't have maybe what we say purpose. And that is what most of the time motivates us. Some of us have forgotten what is the motivation in our Christian walk. Some of us don't even know what is the goal. What is the motivation in a Christian walk. Walk. 
So as, as I was researching through this, I came, uh, and, and Pete Scacera has been of so much help, and he helps us see and maybe understand what Scripture has already been saying for such a long time, and that is that as human beings, we are made out of different aspects in our lives, in our interior, and, and, and he just says that there's five aspects of what a human being is all about. Now, these are all interconnected, right? There's not like 20% of this, 10% of this. No, they're all interrelated and interconnected, and this is these five aspects are composed of our physicalness, which is our, our bodies, our, our feelings, which is our emotions, our social life, which we could say our relationships, our intellect, what is it that we're putting in our minds, how is it that we're thinking, and our spiritual life. Now, this is really interesting because we can be motivated in any of these lives. For example, in the physical life, uh, let's look at the, at the life of an athlete. You know, an athlete can be very disciplined and, in other words, not lazy in terms of his body. Why? Because he has a motivation. He says, I want to win this championship. I want to make this national team or, or I want to make this team. So in order to do that, I need to train every day. I need to have a good diet. I need to take vitamins. I need to stretch. I need to do this. I need that. So that person is not lazy because he or she has a motivation. Now, another motivation for a person that takes care of his or her body could be just vanity. I just want to look good. I just want to be accepted by this person or that person. That, these people have motivations. Therefore, that determines how they live and how they are self-disciplined and not, not lazy in terms of their physical life. But this is what I have learned by God's grace is that if you look up, and Pastor Matt has shared this with us, even a video of a football player, is that even when we reach those goals that motivate us, many times I won a national championship by God's grace, and I was able to taste a little bit of this. We get to those levels of those goals, and we're like, hold on a second. There's got to be more. This really has not fulfilled me as I thought it was going to fulfill me. So, so let me propose something to you. My proposition is that we make one of these aspects our priority, that we make one of these aspects our number one, our first. Why? Because when we make this, and I'm going to share this with you in just a second, when we make this aspect our number one, our priority, this is going to be the, the driving force of our other aspects of our life. And I think, I think, I think that when we are not lazy in that first priority, then I think in these other areas of life, other aspects, then also we are going to know what to do with our bodies, with our emotions, feelings, with our relationships. So this driving aspect or this driving area is the spiritual area. I want to camp on this because I want to encourage you and I want to encourage myself today by God's grace is to make the kingdom of God first and foremost. Nothing else takes its place. But, 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 but what is the motivation of this spiritual life? Have you asked yourself that question? What motivates me to live this Christian life? Am I just living? To, can you imagine that soldier that was coming to invade the other land and saying, hey, you know what? I don't know what my mission is. I have no idea what I'm doing. What is your motivation in this spiritual life in the kingdom of God? Is there one? Yes, there is one. And it is huge. It drives everything else 
in our life. So for that reason, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians because this is where we're going to find the motivation in our Christian life or in our spiritual life. Paul in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians says the following. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave. So he's giving up his rights. He says he does that to everyone, but here's the motivation. Here is the goal. Here is the purpose that he's encouraging you and me, believers, followers of Jesus Christ, to also have to live this Christian life. He says, to win as many as possible. And now he, he elaborates about three kinds of people that he wants to reach out to. And that maybe is an example for us that there are different kinds of people that we can adapt to in order to reach out to them. So here's the first one. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. Here's the purpose, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. They had purification laws. They had dietary laws. They had circumcision laws. They had all that. So he would do those things, Timothy, for example, and in order to reach them for Christ. So here's, here's what he says. So that as to win those under the law. Here's the second group, verse 21. To those not having the law, the Gentiles, I became like one not having the law. And here's the parenthesis. Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under God, Christ's law. So in other words, he is following some principles. He's not compromising some principles as he is adapting in order to reach those people. So as to win those not having the law. Here's the third group. To the weak, I became weak. Here's the, here's the motivation. To win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. So that is the motivation. He wanted to reach out and save people, rescue them from what? From the slavery of sin and Satan. Verse 23. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share and it's a blessing. So I want to share with you, let's look at scripture. Let's look at two principles and then we'll camp into this motivation of our spiritual life. Principle number one, our goal determines our lifestyle. Our goal determines our lifestyle. So in the Christian walk, every single day, we have a goal. That motivates us. And that motivates us to live now, in the present, I want to camp on this and elaborate this just a little more. But let me go on to the second principle, and it is this one. It is a warning. One adapts to everyone with a goal of saving them. Yes, we want to adapt to their lifestyle, but we have to be careful without becoming entangled in sinful behavior. So, yes, if we want to reach out to, to soccer players or, or to uh, uh, rockers or to musicians, hey, we're going to adapt to them. We're going to try to think like them, maybe talk like them. But be careful that we don't become entangled in their sinful behaviors. In other words, hey, be careful. You, you're still living under the law of Christ, which is a holy life. So now we're going to look at the motivation of Paul, which is the motivation that perhaps we need to have in order to live this Christian life as our priority. Here's the motivation. I call it a kingdom motivation. This is our goal. Our goal is holiness, to be like Jesus, but also salvation, which is the mission of Jesus. So, so, so let me make a pause right here. This is so important. 
We cannot overlook this right now. So every single day, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, this is what we ought to be thinking from the moment that we woke up. And again, again, this is maybe something that needs to be prioritized in us at this point. So when we wake up, we're thinking this. Hey, today, yes, I have a goal. Yes, that motivates me to live now. So every day, my goal is to what? To be like Jesus. To live a holy life. Are we going to mess up? Yes. We're going to mess up. But by God's grace, we're going to mess up less and less and less. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit in just a moment. But also as we live this life, it's like our goal has two sides of a coin. It is holiness on one side, but on the other side is we have a mission. And the mission is that by God's grace, we want to be used by him to rescue others, to bring salvation, to take him out of the darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and bring him into the kingdom of light. Bring him out of slavery into the kingdom of freedom. See, when we have that in mind every single day, it's got to become a habit. We're going to talk about it in just a moment. Then we have purpose. We have something to live for. It gives meaning to our Christian life. Now, just to, just to exemplify this and just to think how important this is to our everyday walk, right? Because our goal determines how we live now in the present. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the two teams in the Super Bowl coming and saying, you know what? We're not going to have a goal line today. We're just going to play just for the heck of it. I guarantee you there would not be a lot of people coming to the stadium. We would not be watching. There would be no Super Bowl party, parties and all that, right? Because it's pointless. There is no motivation to do this football or to watch this football game. And another thing, many of us have jobs, right? Can you imagine if somebody comes to work and says, hey, boss, I, I, don't, need to, I don't need to be paid. I'm just going to work. Uh, I just want to work. But you don't, need to, you don't need to pay me. No, 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 no. What is the motivation for working? What motivates us to come to work every single day? Our pay. We have bills to pay, right? We have mouths to feed. So let me ask you this question. As we think about our motivation, and if we have a motivation, is what is your motivation? What is your goal in life? Do you have a goal in life? If you're a Christ follower, we've seen maybe what should be our goal in life, holiness and mission. But maybe some of us are lost, and that's why we don't know what's happening in our lives. Maybe our motivation in life, for many of us, the American dream is money and things and cars. For some of us, maybe the motivation in life is to have that girlfriend or, the, or that partner or that person, the approval of somebody. Maybe the motivation in our life is basically to have more power than what we have at this point. So please, let's, let's make it very clear. Our motivation determines how we live in the present. And we have something to live for. Holiness and mission. Holiness and mission. What compels us is God's love in all of this. Now, there's one more ingredient that Paul has for us, and it is beautiful. 
And it helps us to overcome this laziness in our spiritual life. Let's go on to the next verses, verses 24 through 27. And it says, Do you not know that in the, in the race all, of the, all, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So here's a, an illustration, an example. By the way, Paul is in Corinth, right? And in Corinth, they had the, the second biggest uh, Olympic game. So he's, he's watching this. He's observing this and saying, ah, I can use that illustration in, in the Christian life, in the Christian mission, in the Christian walk. So he's looking at the runners and saying, hey, they run to get a prize. What is the prize? We're going to see that real quick. But then he gives us a command and he says, run in such a way as to get the prize. How are you running this Christian life? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. So there is a lot of self-control. The athletes exercise self-control in order to win the prize, and that's how they run. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. What is that crown? I'll share with you in just a second. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. This describes some of our lives. Some of us that we have come to Christ, we have forgotten what is our motivation, what is our goal, what is our purpose, and we're running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. What does the body have to do with this? Please pay attention. And make it my slave. There's self-control. There's a discipline. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So what is the prize? I call this the king, kingdom prize. And the kingdom prize is a new body. What? A new body? Yes, yes, yes. Let me talk about this for just a second. Remember. Our enemy in this run, in this race, are not other believers, are not other churches. The enemy in this race that we're competing against is Satan. It is, it is his angels. And this is what he does. He uses everything that he can to entice our bodies. That's why we're saying that that's, we need a new body. He entices our bodies, our human nature, in order to fall into these minds or into sin. So, the crown that Jesus will give us when we live faithfully is a new body. But we don't have to struggle anymore with a human sinful nature. We need a new body, an eternal body, for an eternal life. So we're getting to the end right now, and I want to become even more practical, and I want to just emphasize a few things. The antidote to laziness is self Discipline, but self-discipline comes when we are motivated. It comes from motivation. What is our motivation? What is our goal for every day of our lives in relationships, in how we take care of our body, in our emotions? What? Holiness and mission. Holiness and mission. But when we talk about self-discipline, Pablo, what are we talking about? When we talk about self-discipline, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about controlling the sinful desires 
of our body. We've got to fight against those sinful desires, but we need help. <laughs> we need power, and we need guidance, and that guidance comes only from the Holy Spirit. So, so let me share with you in this sense. I have been trying for two years to run an Ironman. An Ironman is a really long race of, of swimming, biking, and running. Now, here's the thing. I thought about doing this just one year and training just a few months and get it done with, right? But then I started researching and thinking and asking people, and they were going, you're crazy. You're not going to finish an Ironman. There is no way you can do that. you got to train. you got to have a coach. You need help. You need a schedule. You need a diet. You need a bike. You need to learn how to swim in a certain way and run well. And I started going, Wow, okay, I think they're right. So I tried the first triathlon, and I almost didn't finish. I struggled a lot through it. So what did I do? I got outside help. I got a coach. I got a training plan. I'm researching what do I need to eat? What do I need to do? I need to rest more. I need to do certain things. I need this kind of bag and that. No, this is my point. My point is that we need outside help to have self-discipline. In order to reach our goal of holiness and mission. Holiness and mission. And who is that coach? See, that coach is the Holy Spirit. So that we can live a holy life. Our coach is the Holy Spirit. Who gives us the power to overcome our sinful desires that our body sometimes wants to. So we got to control it by the power of the Holy Spirit, but also by the guidance of our coach, who is the Holy Spirit. Now, how does that work? Let me give you just a glimpse because I don't have much time. Here's the thing. God allows different circumstances in our lives, good and bad. He allows those circumstances to to help us. For example, if we are in a relationship, how do we learn? How do we control our bodies, our, our mouths, our thoughts? How do we control our, ourselves in order to love these people more and more? Sometimes God brings complicated people into our lives. Complicated relationships. But they're there for a purpose. And the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, okay, these are training grounds. Listen to me. Listen to my guidance. This is what we're going to do. The thing is, are we in tuned with the Holy Spirit? John 14, 15, 16 teaches us, Jesus teaches us that the Holy Spirit is our counselor. He is our guide. He walks with us and he is in us in order to have self-discipline and reach our goal that motivates us, which is holiness and mission. But when that doesn't happen, then maybe we are mutilated. That's when maybe damages happen in our life. When we live lazy spiritual lives, a lot of damages can occur like this one. Maybe our, our life has no aim, has no purpose. Maybe we will not have a price, a crown that is imperishable. Maybe our relationships are dysfunctional. 
Maybe our spiritual life is a spiritual life of apathy. Maybe we become so egocentric, so me-centric instead of God-centric and mission-centric and holiness-centric. And maybe our emotional lives, our feelings are just sick. And inside we're just struggling. Even when we call ourselves Christians, we have lost our motivation. We have lost our goal of holiness and mission. And for that reason, in the present, we don't live with motivation. We, we don't control ourselves. We don't allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and to give us the power to live this Christian life. So I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with a question that started at the beginning, and it is this. How do we, how do I, how do you overcome Laziness. Remember the areas that we looked at or the aspects that we look at. Remember I said, hey, let's prioritize the kingdom of God, the, the, the spiritual life, because if we do that, the other areas will fall into its place. So that's why the first application today, it's actually progressive. If you're not able to do the first one or don't make a good choice on this first application that I'm going to share with you, then the second and third are not going to make any sense. So let's begin with the first one. I think first and foremost, we need to decide. We need to make a choice. By God's grace, he's the one who actually gives us the faith to do this. Decide what is first in your life. Decide what is primary in your life. And my suggestion to you is that the kingdom of God and his righteousness, holiness, become first and foremost before anybody or anything in your life. We only have two choices in my opinion. And I think these two choices are either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan. The prince of this age. The prince of this world. So I pray. I pray and maybe your campus pastors will help you to decide or talk about this. But I pray that, that today by God's grace you may repent and believe in Jesus. And put his kingdom first and foremost. Now, for, for many of us who have decided to, to follow Jesus, to choose the kingdom of God by God's grace through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and his resurrection, then what do we do now? Number two, we need to run. Like Paul said, run in such a way. Run with the goal in mind which determines your lifestyle now. So every day, as I said before, think about, wake up thinking about this. Put yourself some reminders on your handy-dandy phones and say, hey, I have a goal. What is my goal as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ? Holiness and mission. Holiness and mission. What is my goal? Let me give you an example real quick about this. Let's talk about because I am a husband and because I am a father. How does that look like? How does holiness and mission look like in my marriage and in my family with, with my son and my three daughters? What is the goal? That's what I got to ask myself first and foremost. What is my goal in marriage? Because that motivates me to live the present, right? What is my goal? This is my goal. And it comes from Scripture. It comes from the Holy Spirit who empowers me and guides me. It is to love my wife as Christ has loved the church, plain and simple. So know the goal, because that's going to determine 
how you live and what you need to control. So, so I need to control my words. I need to control maybe some misbehaviors. Maybe I'm not leading my wife with, with the love that I need to lead her or my kids the way I need to do it biblically. So maybe I need to control my body and stop doing some things and start doing other things in order to show that love to my wife and to my kids. Holiness. Show her Jesus Christ through me. At home with my kids, there is a mission. What is the mission? And even if you, if you have a wife that is not a believer, hey, salvation. Bring salvation to them. Rescue them with the message of Jesus Christ. Let me give you another example, and that's parenting. What is, what is my goal as I parent our kids? Do, do you have a goal in mind that motivates you in parenting your kids? Instruction? Discipline in the Lord, says Ephesians 6, 4. Do not provoke them to anger. Hey, that's my goal. That's what I'm working for, right? Holiness for them, holiness for me, mission for them, salvation for them as well. And that determines my self-control, what I say, what I do. That determines if, if during supper time we read scripture or not. If before they go to bed we pray or not. If, if we do sports with my kids, if we teach them, hey, you know what? Sports is not your God, is not your life. Jesus is. And it is a gift from God, therefore we glorify him through this. See, our goal, which is mission and holiness, determines what we do now in the present. And we control ourselves by the power of his spirit. So when we have a goal in mind, which determines your lifestyle now, then we go on to the third one. And the third one is discipline. It, it is training. We discipline our bodies by practicing self-control through the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So this is how we train. This is how we discipline our bodies. Let me just give you one quick example. The best way to do this, I think, is something that I have been battling maybe for five or ten years now. And that is that we need to be with Jesus my biggest struggle in life right now is that anything and everyone gets in the way of me being with Jesus every day. So we need to listen to Jesus by reading scripture. It's just as simple as that. And he shows us right there. He shows us that there are motivation, our goal. If we're not in the word of God, we cannot live disciplined lives. We cannot overcome laziness. The Holy Spirit, who is our coach, uses the words of Jesus in Scripture, we need at least five, ten minutes of Scripture time when we're listening to him. But also we need to pray. We need to pour out our hearts to Jesus. We need him to listen to what we are going through and our petitions. And when we come out of that, we're ready to live in holiness. We are ready to rescue others we are compelled by his love to live on mission and when something comes up whatever circumstance comes up the holy spirit is going to say hey pablo hold on a second don't say that word <laughs> don't do that action go the other way don't look at that person that way look the other way you're married so brothers sisters friends don't forget this 
The only way we overcome laziness is by knowing our goal. And that motivates our present life. And when we are living that way, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to control ourselves. We're going to live disciplined lives. May our good Father help us to overcome this mind of laziness. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we would only do what your Holy Spirit can do in us, for us, with us. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. If we have become complacent or lazy in our spiritual lives. Forgive me, Lord. And I pray, Father, that every single day, through your spirit in a miraculous way, you will remind me, remind us, our motivation, holiness and mission. We are to be like Jesus, and we are to love like Jesus. Father, remind us, holiness and mission. We are to love you, God, and we are to love others. Father, help us to remember every single day our goal. Because that will determine how we live in our present. And in the present, Lord, help us to have self-control and discipline. Through the Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making this possible. There's nothing in ourselves that can make this possible. We acknowledge that. That's why we need you. We desperately need you. And we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.